What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Call Her Holy. I'm Laura Eldridge. And I'm Nicoletta Bradley. (laughs) Nico, you sound different today. I look a lot different, too. (laughs) Okay, tell us who you are. My name is Shelly Nadine. I get to help out with a lot of the podcasts for Call Her Holy. And um, I told Laura right before this that I was listening... I listen to all the episodes beforehand um, before they go out to y'all. And I'm so used to listening to the intro that it felt so weird to me to not come on here and say, no, I'm Nicoletta Bradley. <laughs> and I actually had a nightmare last night that I came onto the podcast and messed up the intro by not saying, and I'm Nicoletta Bradley. So I just had to do it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Shelly said that when she's listening to the episode, she literally will just like say it along with us, which is so funny. I want to know how many other people do that. If you do it, send us a DM on Instagram. We want to know. Honestly, we should just have people send in their little like recording of themselves doing the intro. Amazing. Okay, y'all. So Shelly is here for a number of reasons. One, we love her. We respect her. And we text her a lot of questions all the time. And she answers and clarifies things for us. And two, Shelly is on here because I know we were peppy and bright at the beginning of this episode. But we are going to approach a subject that is heavy, that is hard, and that America is talking about. And we don't think that we are the end-all, be-all. We don't think that we have all the answers. But we want to be part of the conversation because it's, it's worth it. It's a really, really important battle happening. It's a really uh, sensitive battle happening. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And I wanted Shelly to come on as a as an attorney at a well-respected law firm here in Dallas, and as somebody who is passionate about these subjects, to clarify some of the legal standpoint that can, quite frankly, be a little bit confusing for me and, you know, some other people. Um, we hear things and we don't necessarily know how to dispute them because it it's like, oh, okay, then that's the case. When when later you hear, okay, that actually isn't the case. Right. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, the law and the legal system can be kind of a foreign language. So that's something that I'm really passionate about. And these issues, I study them in my spare time. I'm not, you know, at my trial firm that I work at. We don't touch these kind of controversial issues. So these, these issues are just something that I um, am passionate about and care about. And I also care about making sure that my friends and family and whoever else has questions can understand it as well. Awesome. So last thing I'll say about about you before we before we get into it is that Shelly has clerked for a federal judge and has been given incredible opportunities just as a as a young lawyer coming in, as a young attorney coming in because she has a really great way of approaching sensitive topics and she's really passionate about them. And so she's been given opportunities to write an opinion piece, you know, different opinion pieces. And one of them that that straight up is probably going to the Supreme Court, which is really, really cool. But we're really thankful that you joined us today. Nico is trolloping around town. He's probably in Barbados Tra- or wherever else. Tra- <laughs> yeah, where is it this Fashion time? Fashion Pass, sponsor her. <laughs> <laughs> She's chilling on a beach somewhere. And we're here bringing you this episode. So thank you for being here, Shelly. We love you. And we're grateful to hear from you. And... As you're listening to this podcast, uh, wherever you fall on the abortion issue, we hope that you feel encouraged, challenged. We hope that you'll listen to what we have to say and be open-minded 
and I love listening to people who think differently than I do. We want to kind of lay a foundation just from a biblical perspective and then also understand and empathize with people, you know, where you are. Uh, Some of you listening to this episode have gone through abortion. I think the statistic is one in three. I have so many dear friends who have had abortions and I know firsthand how much a kid can change your life. And anyways, so I just hope that you feel seen, that you feel heard, and also that this episode provides some clarity and a little bit of challenge. We're okay with making some people a little bit uncomfortable if it means helping in the long run. Yeah. And on that note, too, I would love to say I didn't become a believer until college. And so I was very, very much a proponent of abortion in high school and then towards the beginning of college. So everything that you'll hear from my perspective now was a result of really wrestling with this issue and hearing both sides and coming to my own conclusion. So I encourage you all to do the same. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we're not going to tiptoe around where we stand, but let's just talk about nuances of the law and some of the things that are confusing. But first of all, will you tell me, like, did the Supreme Court just randomly decide out of nowhere, okay, abortion, it's gone. Like, how did that happen? Right. So I will take a brief um, detour into constitutional law, um, just so that in (laughs) the class we all slept through in ninth grade or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff you didn't care about when you learned about it in high school or whatever. So a quick little primer on constitutional law. There's a federal constitution. And in that there's a ton of separation of powers, the three different branches of government, the judiciary, the legislators, um, and then the executive branch, which is the president. There's all kinds of stuff about like the federal structure, how things are supposed to work. And then there's all these different rules about how the state governments are supposed to work as well, but as it relates to the federal government. So the 14th Amendment of the Constitution has an important clause in it called the Due Process Clause. And all of this sounds like legal bumbo jumbo, (laughs) but I promise it's going somewhere. So bear with me. So the 14th Amendment of the Constitution was a mechanism that was enacted after the Civil War because the federal government realized that after the Civil War, they didn't have any way to kind of control what the states were doing. Okay. So the 14th Amendment says that nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So that liberty term is used as kind of a a mechanism for the Supreme Court to say, well, this is a liberty that the state can't deprive. And by liberty, you basically mean right. It basically means a right, yes. So that gives a way for the Supreme Court. It's called substantive due process. It gives a way for the Supreme Court to explain based on whatever case is in front of them, we think this is a substantive due process constitutional right. So that from the different jurisprudence or basically law in the last hundreds of years of the Supreme Court, that's where you get the right to birth control. That's where the right of same-sex marriage is from. That's where the right to abortion was also previously decided in Roe versus Wade. So over the last 50 years, that substantive due process right has been repeatedly challenged by different states enacting laws at their level to basically toe the line of essentially testing Roe versus Wade. Okay, so the states are coming and saying this actually isn't a right that people have. And so the Supreme Court exists to kind of hold on those like 
liberties and make sure that people are having their constitutional rights in America. And the states have been saying, hey, this one's actually wrong. Like That's not a right, right? So right. some of them have so, been pushing back against it? Yeah, so the states have been pushing back against it. Not necessarily in every state have they been saying this isn't a right, but in this more specific case, this one that was just decided in Dobbs, the Mississippi um, legislatures created a law that said that at 15 weeks, abortion is no longer going to be allowed. Yeah. So that was kind of towing the line because Roe versus Wade previously decided that any abortion pre-viability, so before the child can survive outside of the womb, yep. then that is a constitutional right. So Mississippi at 15 weeks said, we don't want to allow any abortion after 15 weeks, but that is technically still pre-viability. Right, because 24 weeks is technically viability outside the womb. Yeah, so they basically teed up this decision for the Supreme Court to either affirm Roe versus Wade, and then there's another case, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and that was decided in the 2000s that reaffirmed Roe versus Wade. So there's all these different cases that have been going on for five decades, kind of explaining further the abortion laws. Yeah, what's interesting is um when was Roe v. Wade established? Like when 1973. That, 1973. And I've read that after the fact that she actually went on to regret having an abortion. Yeah, so that's actually something um really interesting about that case is that the woman Roe um and then Wade was the DA in Dallas County. So this was actually a Texas Supreme Court case. It originated mm. out of the Texas criminal law banning wow. abortion. It went up and Jane Roe is what they called her. It's kind of like John Doe. It's just an anonymous name. Jane Roe ended up being a really big anti-abortion advocate because she had her daughter and basically was like regretting being part of this decision that created this constitutional right. Wow. I've heard that from from a lot of women in my life who have had abortions. There's this deep sense of sorrow. And I know that in the moment, I'm, I'm just going to jump straight into this. And I know there's more legal stuff that we can cover, but I'm, can I just jump straight into yeah. something? Again, wanting to be super sensitive, but I, I know there's this terrifying moment where you're deciding, hey, my life is about to take an entirely different course than I planned. And I think sometimes we look at abortion as a solution when in fact and in reality, it actually creates more problems. And I know I just lost some people. And bear with me for just a second, because whether you're the person who has had an abortion or considering an abortion or you know somebody or you, you're just looking out for people, like you would never do it personally, but you're just looking out for people who should, you know, you think have the right to choose. Um, abortion actually creates a lot of uh, hard things. So there's depression, like depression rates go up. People go on to like you, when you have an abortion, you don't forget about that, you know? It's not like your life can just resume as normal. It's like something haunts you for the most part. That's what I've heard largely by by several, several women who have had abortions and gone to deeply regret it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I do think that's true um, from the people that I know who abortion is part of their story. It is not some experience that they would like to do again for the most part. It's a traumatic experience um, and something that sticks with them forever. And why is it that when um, that when sonograms are available and people see kind of what's happening inside their womb, like that's one of the big, if I'm understanding correctly, that's one of the big um, 
decision makers like that changes people's minds why do you think that yeah is? so that actually kind of goes back to the legal issues in this is that after roe versus wade was decided in 1973 the states started cr- coming up with creative ways to kind of disincentivize abortion or make you know abortion a not choice as appealing that, right and okay. not as appealing a choice that people didn't want to make another thing about roe versus wade just before we move on yeah, from that is that in that opinion that was before and if you go and read the opinion it's online if you just search for it there's language about how the justices didn't know based on scientific knowledge when life began and there's language about how if we ever come to a conclusion basically with science that life begins at a different phase then maybe this should be reconsidered wow so that's something that's like you know it's an interesting piece of the law but they knew that their knowledge at the time was limited. So they, you know, went in favor of, well, we should make abortion available and we should make it protected. Which seems, which seems reasonable if you're not looking and saying, this is life inside the womb, which I think that's one of the biggest arguments where people are saying like, is it a baby or is it not? And now we've discovered, which seems somewhat common sense, like life begins at conception. Right. And I think it's, it's interesting now to see the legal battles change because that's not really an issue that people dispute anymore. That life is happening. That life begins at conception. I would say the legal battle is more so whose life matters more protecting more. Right. Wow. Okay. So baseline, our country has come a long way in that we've kind of stopped by and large arguing that a fetus is life, is a human, correct? Right. Yeah. Wow. And now the issue is just like, it's my body. It's my choice. Like I should have the right to choose. Why should my life change dramatically? Why should I be quote unquote forced to become a mother or bear a child when I don't want to? Right. And there's been actually support for abortion on both sides of the political aisle, the Democratic and Republican parties. And it's been Bill Clinton's actually really known for this kind of phrase that he was supporting at the time when he was president. But they used to refer to abortion as something that they wanted, they being the politicians, wanted to be safe, legal, and rare. So there was an understanding that this was something that was going to be a really difficult decision for mothers to make. But if they were going to make it, they wanted it to be safe and legal. And then now the movement around abortion has become my body, my choice, um, shout your abortion, and something that, you know, people have taken a different turn on. Yeah, what's interesting about the rare piece as well is that now the cultural message is not that it should be rare, that it should be, yeah, convenient, available to every single person, you know, on the drop of a hat. Right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, so what the Supreme Court, um, before we move on into different questions, what the Supreme Court did in the Dobbs case is there was a six to three majority of upholding the Mississippi law that banned the 15 week abortions and beyond. And then there was only five justices that said that they would prefer to overturn Roe versus Wade as well. And the one justice who didn't vote to overturn Roe versus Wade said that he felt that there was some implicit right to an abortion in the Constitution. And by that, he means there's no text that supports the constitutional right to abortion, but he thinks it should be implied. That's also what the other three justices in dissent agreed with. But the five person, the five justice majority said Roe versus Wade has no standing or no grounding in the Constitution. 
There's no text to support this constitutional right. So we are overruling Roe versus Wade. We're overruling this essentially made up right that was made up. I'm saying that in quotes, made up in the Roe versus Wade opinion. We're overruling that. And now all the states can make their own decisions on this issue. Yeah. There's so much more legally that I want to get into. But let's just like since while we have everyone here, let's talk about some of the arguments. If you want to know how to discuss this issue with somebody, I posted something on Instagram that helps you understand one, it is important to speak up, but there's a way to do that. That's not argumentative. That's not condemning. That's not trashing somebody whether you disagree, like wherever you land, like these, um, these issues are way, way, way important and they matter. It's human lives we're talking about here. This is a big stinking deal and they can't speak for themselves. And so biblically, we are commanded to speak up for the voiceless. Biblically, we are commanded to do that. So it's not a matter of should I speak up? Because the answer is yes. But how? The Proverbs say, like apples of gold in a setting of silver is a word fitly spoken. This is just kind of a metaphorical way of saying, like, choose your words wisely. Like, speak your words with wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. One that I like as well, a scripture that I like is uh, Psalm 1914. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Right. Oh, I love it. So... You can see that Instagram post at Laura K. Eldridge to see if you're wondering, like, hey, how should I touch this topic with people? Maybe arguing on Instagram or TikTok or whatever isn't isn't the best move. But yeah, you can do that. But let's talk about how to kind of broach the subject of like of some of the biggest arguments, like my body, my choice, and for the people who are feeling like, man, it would be inconvenient to quote unquote ruin someone's life by forcing them to have a child. First of all, I think we need to change that language. I think forcing is not fair. It's not fair to say because in most instances and like the issue that we're fighting isn't really the nuances of rape. You know, the issue that we're fighting really is that we want all women everywhere to be able to do whatever they want and to not face consequences or not face what comes from that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that as a society, I think our views on um, sexual ethics and all those things have changed drastically since advent of birth control in 1960 and the sexual revolution, everything that came from that and the hookup culture and all these different things and abortion being used as a backup birth control plan. So all those different things I think have really impacted the way that we have these conversations with people. And I think that when I've had these conversations and Like I mentioned earlier, I used to be very pro-abortion and something that always resonated with me is when I spoke to Christians in my life about this issue and all they would do was ask questions. And that was something that, you know, me at the time forced me as a pro-abortion advocate to really think about what I was supporting and really have a defensible position And that was really challenging. And that's a conversation to not approach haphazardly or lightly, but that's something you should do very prayerfully and, you know, just allow these deeper 
conversations to occur and learn the other person's position without getting argumentative about it. Yeah, that's really good. I had a conversation uh, with a couple of my friends actually in the last few weeks since this came out. Um, As Laura said earlier, whenever something like this happens legally, a ton of people text me and ask me questions about, they're like, Shelly, what's happening with this? What does this mean? I got like, the girls on here are like, can I have your phone number? Honestly, you can (laughs) DM call her holy and Shelly will get back at you. It's probably me answering. (laughs) You ask a legal question. So yeah, I had a few conversations over the last week or so. And one of my really best friends, she said to me like, Shelly, I used to be very pro-choice and it was honestly years of just continuing to have these conversations that she's like now very pro-life. And I don't say that as any credit to me, but I'm just saying that nobody in your life is too far gone to be able to approach this issue with grace and with facts and yeah, just never believing that people will stay committed to their stance on an issue, but um, presume that people are open to having their minds changed unless they show otherwise. Yeah, that's really good. I think what is kind of, which what rattles me about this issue is that one of the biggest arguments right now is for freedom. Like I think we all want freedom and I think we don't realize that by uh, enabling abortions, not just allowing it, but enabling and saying, Hey, we're going to support you. You stand up for this girl and women's rights. This is healthcare. I think a lot of that is honestly enabling women to be, um, to inflict harm on someone that's not themselves, which is an unborn child and to neglect some of the damage that comes from abortion that they don't even realize. And it's like the illustration of if somebody is running out into the street and it's a child, you don't just look at them and say like, all right, have fun. That's do what you want to do. You're like, wait a second. No, come back, come back, come back, you know, and you're going to run out to protect them. So some of this episode is our effort to run out and protect people who are running into the street and not realizing I am heading into danger. Like I'm heading into something that's going to drastically change my life, change the lives of the people around me, and is quite literally killing someone else's life. And so I hope that we can spare some of that from happening, but it it is important to talk about. Yeah. And I think even too, with the words that you choose to use, I think that, you know, you'll find a lot of people that support abortion, uh, use a lot of euphemisms or basically softening of language. Um, They'll call the baby a fetus. They'll call um, abortion termination. They won't usually use the term kill or anything like that. They'll really soften the language. And I actually had this come up the other day when this decision came out. I had a partner at my law firm come to my office and ask me kind of how I was feeling about the decision, which I thought was very interesting that, you know, as a woman and as a Christian, that people would assume that I was still upset about this decision personally. Just because I am a woman, I am successful and people would presume that, you know, I don't want to have kids or that I'm not interested in having kids. And for people who know me, they know that that's not very true. That's not true at all. Actually, like I, I believe that children are a blessing. And so that's actually exactly what I said to him. I was like, you know, I'm actually excited that this opinion happened. Um, I'm excited it was decided and, and the way that it was. And I believe that children are a blessing from God. And I said that like literally straight to him. And that was probably really bold of me. And was- I mean, way to go, girl. <laughs> okay, this is what's interesting about what you said, because this is one of the things people used to argue is you said the words want, like they would assume that you didn't want kids. And then I think a lot of people hearing could be like, well, that's good for you, but you want them. You know, somebody right. was literally 
in my DMs after I gave birth to Oakley. And I've been open about my experience with pregnancy and birth. Like, it's not the easiest thing. Like, it was... Laura had a rough couple of months. I did. I had a rough, rough pregnancy. It was really, really tough. And, you know, I did natural birth, so I felt all of the pain. You know, I didn't take any kind of easy easy road, not saying that other people do like birth in itself is it is hard. I'll be honest. It's like, it's hard no matter what road you do. Like it's just hard. Recovery is hard and, um, pregnancy can be really challenging. And so after kind of going through all that, somebody who I've had this conversation with before that I, I don't even, I'm not sure. I don't know her, but from a different state who'd found my Instagram, she, she's in my DMS and she's saying, I hope you now understand why you shouldn't push this on anyone. Like, I hope now you get it. Like, Nobody should have to go through this who doesn't want, again, to bring that word up, who doesn't want kids. And I'm like, okay, that still, even still, you're saying that I should now have the perspective of like, oh, dude, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this on anyone. And I don't, I don't feel that way. I'm like, I am like looking at this child and I grieve. Sometimes I literally come to tears when I think about how many kids just like her don't have the chance to live? Like I look at her and I see her little fingers and her little coos and her smile. And I'm like, oh my gosh, could I imagine if this little child was in somebody else's womb and they didn't have somebody communicating with them in a way that encouraged them to say, hey, this is a life worth bringing into the world. And so I I don't feel that way. I don't feel the sense of, dang, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I'm like, yeah, it's stinking hard. I'm not going to lie. But it is a million times worth it. And even if it was the the hardest thing ever and it wasn't quote unquote worth it to, to hold that little baby or to provide or to be able to bless somebody else who with adoption, foster care and things like that. Even if the thing is like, who am I to decide who gets to live or die? You know, that's why we have laws against murder. That's why we, you know, we have justice for people who do harm to others. And for whatever reason, in culture and in laws and in society, we've just kind of ignored like, hey, we are not providing justice for harm done to someone else. Right. And it's interesting that you said um, something about the law and murder because a little tidbit about the law on that is that if you murder a pregnant woman, it's considered double homicide. And so it begs the question of why is it different if it's the mother themselves who choose to end the life of the baby? So that's a, you know interesting little legal mm. kind of yeah. thing that's hard to reconcile with all of the abortion so so that's my thing that argument breaks down when it's like who gets to decide what life is is it just if you feel like it's a life you know what i mean or if it's taken from you involuntarily or do you get to decide you know like no life is life right and i'm really vocal on my instagram on uh, my political views and uh, in the last couple weeks i've gotten a lot of dms um just like laura about you know what about this situation what about this situation what about this what about that And, you know, I think that at the end of the day, my response is almost always the same because my view on 
the life has nothing to do with circumstances. So regardless of the circumstances of the conception, regardless of the circumstances or the illness of the baby or anything, special needs, whatever the circumstance, the life is a life. And if you're a Christian, you believe that God knits everybody in their mother's womb and they're created with a purpose. Even if you're not a Christian, that child has unique DNA at the time of conception Mm -hmm. and is its own living being. It's no longer part of the mom's body. It is the egg and the sperm coming together, creating an embryo and creating unique DNA. So even from a secular perspective, it's really uncontested that that is a unique human being at that time of conception. So I always just respond with that and it's very simplistic, but it's like, hey, like, No circumstances dictate ending this uniquely created life. And if you're a Christian, uniquely created life by God. Mm. That's really good. I think we've so, so valued comfort in our society. We've so valued convenience. And we've kind of bought this quote unquote American dream, which started as hard work you know, success, being able to provide for a family that used to kind of be the American dream. And now the American dream is like, be who you want, do what you want. Nobody can hold you back. Everything's comfortable and convenient. Correct? Right. Would you say that's the case? And so it flies in the face of family, unless that's what you want. It flies in the face of biblical marriage, unless that's what you want, you know? And what's hard about that is that you're still elevating the convenience of one person over the literal life of someone else. You're saying it is worth destroying someone else's life who can't fight for themselves to make one person comfortable, which is ridiculous. And it doesn't even usually accomplish that purpose. Yeah. Something else on this with all the convenience factors and, you know, whether the child will be provided for or whether all these, you know, different ideal circumstances are met in order to bring in a child to this world. Something, a question that I've always asked is, okay, say all those circumstances exist, would you support the mother ending the life of her toddler for those same reasons? Yeah, because they because one of the arguments is that like if they're dependent, you know what I mean? Like they can't live outside the womb or they can't Yeah, exactly. It's like well, yeah, every child is dependent, even outside the womb. Ele- yeah. elementary- I'm 26 and I'm dependent on my parents for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. No, truly, we were created to need people. And I think it's part of God's unique design to say like, hey, there is a vulnerable life here that you now are responsible for caring for. And that starts in the womb and it continues on after life. And guess what? That's how we are as a society. Like in general, as human beings, we are designed for needs. They just become different. Like they become the need for emotional connection. They become the need for friendship. You know, the the need for support in different ways. There's an employee-employer relationship. There are just so many different needs, but like the needs start early on as, no, quite literally, I can't survive without another human being. And so, yeah, and that motherly, daughterly, as Laura would know, that bond forms basically the second you get pregnant and the second you learn that you're pregnant, you have that bond with your child. And something I wanted to talk about on that is that there's been a lot of stuff on social media about miscarriages and whether miscarriages are considered abortions um, and ectopic pregnancies and ectopic pregnancies all those different things so something i wanted to clarify really quick on that on the law is that every single state in america 
especially the states that have banned abortion after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, every single one of them has a medical emergency exception. And it is really beyond dispute that an ectopic pregnancy, which if you don't know what that is, it is essentially the embryo um, not attaching to the right part of the uterus. So usually it's stuck in the fallopian tube. It is by it's threatening to the mom's yeah, life. It is by nature a non-viable pregnancy. As the embryo continues to grow, that fallopian tube will rupture at a certain point. And so um, those ectopic pregnancies can still be treated in every single state. For miscarriages, I've heard from my nurse friends that there's a certain hospital coding that is used where they call it an abortion, but wanted to clarify that on the legal side of things, that that is not considered an abortion at the legal level. And so I've talked to somebody who like ran into an insurance faux pas, like uh, because of the whole, because of the heartbeat bill, honestly. And I feel like a solution for that would just be to change the coding. Like, why don't we just do that? The medical field, like, why can't we just change the language from abortion? Or what if this happened? What if in our country, abortion was so unthinkable that the only quote unquote abortion was treatment for ectopic pregnancies or miscarriages? Like, what if that was quote unquote abortion and then the ending of a viable, innocent child's life was not even thinkable. I've started to question like, where did that even come up in our heads? Like, where did that even originate? Like who woke up one day and thought, oh, there's a life growing inside of me or someone else. We should end it because I want to do something else. Like what? Where? How did we even think of that? It's I know. So, and it should be so unthinkable to us. It's just like, you know, any other evil that exists in the world at some point somebody had an idea to do something and it's perpetuated throughout human history so abortion's been around a long time and i know that that's another argument that people say is like making it illegal isn't going to make it go away which might be true yeah but our fight is not over is the way that i see it and in the the laws just to be clear the laws do save lives like making it less accessible and less encouraged really does make a difference, correct? Right. So I know that argument is that like people will still do it just unsafely and we should encourage them not to. Like we should do everything in our power to change uh, to change the battles that we're fighting and instead of saying like you should have the right to choose, you should, it's your body, it's your choice, it, it's not your body and it shouldn't necessarily be your choice. Like, like I want to speak for that child that's inside the womb that is that wants to survive the kid wants to survive you know yeah there's a quote from uh, ronald reagan actually whenever this in, in the 80s when this was a really big topic post roe v wade and he said i've noticed that everybody who supports abortion has already been born and yeah. that is something that just kind of wakes you up out of your sleep you're like oh shoot like why why am i not speaking up on this issue and you know for fear of ruffling feathers or making people a little uncomfortable. I'll be honest, I have not made a ton of friends on this issue. (laughs) Like there are people who I have upset because of my views, but it's something that I feel is such a strong conviction and needs to be addressed and needs to be spoken about. And you can do it in a kind way. You can have compassion. I have utmost compassion for people who have been in situations where they desire to have an abortion. It breaks my heart. I want to make abortion unthinkable. 
So let's think of ways that we can do that. You know, our pastor used to say, uh, the truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. And I think the truth here that that we're saying is non-disputable is that there is a life worth protecting in every woman's womb who is pregnant. Yeah, so after everything that has been going on um, legally, I've gotten a lot of questions too with what about maternity leave? What about foster care? The foster care system's broken. Adoption's really expensive. What are what are these mo- new mothers supposed to do? All these different questions, and those are 100% valid. You can hear Oakley crying in the background. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those questions are valid. And guess what? We are not helpless with any of those questions. At the state level, you can call your representative and you can tell them, hey, I want to make a change in the adoption industry. Wait a second. You can call your representative. How do you do that? Just Google the number? Yes. So every single one of you has representatives at the state level based on your county, basically based on your location. The counties aren't necessarily exact. That's a whole different issue. But every single person, depending on where you live, you have a representative that is supposed to be literally representing your interests at the state level. And that is part of the gift that we have in the U.S. is that we are allowed to make our voices heard. We're allowed to advocate for certain changes in our local and state and national laws and government. So what I encourage every single one of you to do who you, you know, are losing sleep at night over what about these mothers? What about the adoption care? What about foster care? What about all these different issues? You can make a change in those areas. Yeah, here's the thing. This I'm really passionate about this. Like if we put half the amount of effort that we put into fighting for abortion and in talking about abortion and the energy and the money that goes into saying that every woman should have the right to choose and funding things like Planned Parenthood, what if we redirected those resources to, I'm going to start caring for women? Because you say this is women's rights and you care about women, that therefore everyone should have an abortion. That's not caring for women. That's setting women up for depression. That's setting women up for, for literally blood on their hands. And there is no shame if you have had an abortion. God is so stinking gracious. Like that is the whole gospel. And he loves you and he is not mad at you. And yeah, there are very real, that's still a life that was taken and it it stinks and it's, and it is worth mourning and grieving, but there is hope for you. There is grace. And we'd love to talk to you about that. But what if we, but what if we put half the amount of energy and effort that we do into saying pro-choice, 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 and put that into, hey, let's actually care for women. Let's actually make movements when it comes to healthcare, saying like, we're going to provide maternity leave. Like we're going to fight on the company level, on the state level, or whatever level it is. We're going to fight to celebrate life and say women should get a certain amount of maternity leave that's paid. Children should be cared for from a medical standpoint. Women are going to have postpartum care. We're going to put our resources into educating women about sex. We're going to put in our resources into educating fathers how to be there and how to show up. We're going to put our resources into support groups for new moms and helping people just come together. Yeah, like there's so many different ways that we can put our energy and resources that are actually helping and supporting women rather than saying, just, just kill your child and be done with it. Right. And I feel like this is something that people don't talk about very much, you know, like it's, it's these arguments of, well, here's all the reasons why abortion is necessary, but then we don't address those reasons. We just 
agree and say, yeah, abortion must be necessary then. And it's what do you, like, no. What do you mean? What are some of the reasons? So poverty, you uh, know, yes, um, foster yes. care being a bad situation, all yeah, these so, different reasons. So let's address the reasons. So, so why don't we focus our energy into foster care? Like focus your energy. And, and I have seen this wildly change. Like our church personally has been like, let's adopt all the kids in Dallas. And we have families who are like, oh my gosh, thank you that somebody spoke up and challenged me to consider adoption. Therefore, I'm considering adoption. And now I'm going through a class to learn how to care for an adopted child who might have different needs. And I'm, I am sacrificing my idea of the perfect family or whatever, you know, like who yeah. cares about that to, to foster and to take in a kid who might be hard, you know? Right. And I think that that's something where I would challenge all of you as well. If you are pro-life, this is something that I've had to wrestle with is what am I doing in my actions to show that I do genuinely care about every single life that exists. And something I've been thinking about lately is fostering and it's something that I've always wanted to do but I'm 26 I'm single and it's kind of would be not really a common thing to want to foster a kid you know if you're single but I thought about it more and I was just like okay well what what would really be stopping me from doing that like if you have the resources and if you could help then why aren't you helping and if it's not something like that then are you volunteering somewhere are you how are you treating your single mom friends yeah that's something that's so huge we, we say, what about, you know, single moms? What about this? How are you treating the single mom friends in your life? That's really like, good. Are you pouring out love to them? Are you making sure that their child, as far as it depends on you, feels loved and cherished by everybody around them? Yeah, we could do a whole episode on how to care for uh, single moms or just new moms in general, because postpartum is really vulnerable. But it's, um, again, it, it's no matter the circumstances, like we are not the ones who get to decide life and death. Like that is God. Like it's just straight up is. Um, and I think there's something dangerous that happens when we blur the lines of we should be able to decide who lives and who dies. Yeah. There's a specific group of people that I'd really like to talk to because I used to fall into this camp of I am personally against abortion, but I think other people should have the right to choose. Which is, I think, even some Christians fall there and go ahead. Right. Because, you know, it's the idea of being pro-choice and uh, God determined or, you know, God allows us to have free will and God allows people to choose and all of those kinds of things. And they're like, I don't think it's right, but... Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of similar to I hold myself to a biblical ethic, but I don't believe other people should be held to that same ethic. So from a secular perspective, I think even you could ask people like, hey, I'm personally against sexual abuse, but I don't care if other people sexually abuse others. Like at some point it comes down to there is a moral truth, whether that person is a Christian or not. Yeah, because like nobody would say that. Nobody would say that. They would all say that's wrong. That's not okay. Yes. There's certain things that we as a society through our laws have said are not are not okay. But here's the thing. We desensitize it. Like I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how pro-choice advocates soften the language why do you have to soften the language right you're clearly trying to desensitize something that is very sensitive and that the that human experience like we should be sensitive to right yeah and i think you know if you if you get down to the nitty-gritty of what abortion is i encourage you guys to look up some videos about dne procedure dilation and evacuation is what it's called but the first time that i watched that i was shook because I had no idea what actually happened in an abortion after 15 weeks 
I don't want to get super into the graphic details on here, but essentially the baby is ripped apart limb by limb and it is horrifying. And anybody who's gone through this, I am so sorry that you have experienced this. And I just think that we should start talking very directly about what abortion is and whether or not this is something that we should celebrate as Christians, even celebrating the choice. And I asked somebody the other day, is this something that you think that God celebrates? And she said, no. And, you know, we kind of talked about that. It's like, okay, well, why? Why would we support it as Christians then? Ugh. You say that, and I'm I'm holding my child, and this is one of the things that is so heartbreaking and devastating, not just for my situation or my, like, circumstance here, but, like, thinking about widespread, I just, I, I look at her and I'm holding her and, and thinking about that. And I just want to say, like, I'm sorry for not protecting you. You know, and I wish that our hearts all broke that way. I wish that our hearts all broke for the life that exists inside of us. And I want everyone who's had an abortion to be able to look and, and say, like, I'm sorry for not protecting you. And God's grace is sufficient. And then I want us as a country, as a nation to stand up and start saying, I'm sorry for not protecting you. I will protect you, you know, inside someone else's womb, inside my own womb, whatever that, whatever that looks like, I will protect you. And after birth. And after birth, I will protect you. You are defenseless. You are valuable. You know, you have something to offer society. God made you in his image. You are an image bearer of God. He knit you together specifically with gifts, with intellect, with a personality and you are worth defending. You are worth protecting no matter the circumstance. There's another issue that I've seen too. It's this concept of compassionate abortion. And it's that, you know, whether the baby has an illness or whether she or he will be born into a certain type of difficulty, whether that's socioeconomic or some other kind of challenge in their life, there's this idea that abortion will leave the baby better off. And, you know, that's something it's interesting if you think about it, because, you know, I've gone through pain. Laura's gone through pain. Every single person in this world has gone through pain. And some of it is just unspeakable, unthinkable pain, whatever it might look like. And I would bet that our parents would not say that they would have rather aborted us. Absolutely. I've heard that argument actually several times. And if you've ever been to a third world country, have you ever been? Yes. Okay. If you've ever been to a third world country, you see that people who have nothing are the most joyful people. And I'm like, your life, I would argue probably has more meaning. Like you have milked the meaning out of life. Like everyone's life has meaning, but you have milked it and and you have nothing. And you're to the point where you are a, a little girl looking at me and taking one of the few possessions that you have out of your hair, a hair clip, and saying, I want you to have this. It's one of the only things you have. And saying, I want you to have this. I'm like, you, like your life is worth living. You here in a third world country who has a shorter lifespan, who is living with a disability, who is fighting for food every single day, you have joy. You impacted me like I think about that little girl in Haiti I'm talking about a specific girl and I'm like your life has meaning you 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that there's something that all of us in the U.S. can and should learn from people in other countries that live in entirely different circumstances than we do. And in most countries, especially before this recent decision, we were one of the top three countries in the world that had the most ready access to abortion on par with North Korea and China. Wow. So I think, you know, the value of life um, in other countries is a lot higher, especially third world countries, and they come around each other. It takes a village is kind of like, you know, that idea. They grow up in these villages and they all raise their children together and they're a team. And I think that we can learn from that. Wow, that's amazing. And we know that poverty, it's its here. It's in Dallas. We have people that we are very closely connected with who are making change in those areas of, of South Dallas and where there's just this cycle of poverty that's really, really hard to get out of. And, and we have people who are stepping in and caring and, and advocating for change for all of that. And yeah. we have people who are doing job connection programs who straight up are helping people out of prison find jobs. Like, anyways, that, again... That is, it is not a mercy to kill your unborn baby. It's just not. Yeah. And there's a specific question that I'd um, like to speak to as well is that, you know, if you're outspoken about your stance being pro-life, there's kind of this pressure of what are you doing? And if you feel that pressure, I think the answer is that you can do something, but you don't have to do everything. Yeah, that's really good. I think even as we decided to do this podcast, it's like, well, we don't have the ability to address every single argument. We don't have the ability to address every single argument. Therefore, we just shouldn't at all. Or we might offend somebody or whatever it is. And it's like, no, we're going to speak and it's going to be imperfect. And and we might hurt some people. We might lose some followers. Okay. You know, but it's still worth addressing and speaking. Yeah. And if there are specific things that you guys have questions about or, you know, specific circumstances, like feel free to DM us on Instagram. I will personally respond if it's something I can respond to or Laura will or Nico will or somebody will because we know that there are circumstances where it feels a little bit more difficult to say that abortion is wrong in that in that situation. And just because it feels more difficult, that does not make it true. Wow, that's really good. I just want to uh, address one last thing before we leave that I, th- I feel like is not part of the narrative that's being discussed right now. I talked a lot about changing, uh, like, I think we're fighting the wrong battle. I think that we need to put our resources into something else and help women. And I think we also need to change the narrative of kids mess up life, like kids affect your career goals and all of that. And certainly there are so many things that can change your life. There are so many things and kids being one of them that like can change things. But what if we change the narrative? I know you mentioned there's an insurance company who actually in the face of all these companies saying, okay, Dick's Sporting Goods, $4,000 to, to go have an abortion. I'm like, what? What if we said, hey, we don't believe that having career goals and having kids has to have to be isolated, that you can you have to either choose one or the other. Like, what if we helped support um, you having a family and being able to work or achieve whatever it is you want to achieve? What if we change the the narrative from kids are a burden and, and motherhood is less than to being a mom is phenomenal because it really is. Being a dad is phenomenal because it really, really is. And having a career isn't everything in life, but you can, you also can if you want to. You know, what if we change that narrative? 
Yeah. And that insurance company that you mentioned was actually in Texas and they responded to all the companies coming out and saying that they were going to give several grand for travel money and for the abortion cost. This insurance company came out and said that they will pay the medical costs for their employees who, who, who birth children. They will provide paid time off for employees to have maternity and paternity leave, and they will pay for the medical costs associated with adopting a baby as well. This is something that you talked about, you know, being successful in your career and things like that. This is something that I've seen personally in law firms um, in the last probably five to 10 years. They've really made changes in their maternity and paternity leave because, you know, it's not a surprise that the legal profession is very male dominated. And a lot of that is because women will have children and then they can't, you know, keep up with the pace of the legal profession, especially at the specific type of law firms that I'm talking about. So those firms kind of came together and they're like, hey, how can we retain women and how can we get women back working if they want to? And there's ways to make that change happen. So I'm thankful that, you know, change is possible and women can find support. We have to just fight for it. I don't think the answer is, you know, women don't have enough support. So let's allow abortion to occur. I think the answer is let's fight for the support. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really good. Listen, y'all, there's so much more that we could say. If you are somebody who um, this, this issue, this topic affects on a deep personal level for whatever reason and you want to have a conversation we'd love to talk with you if you need support you need resources you need somewhere to to look it's okay to to be affected by saying man my whole life is changing and I don't know how to handle that from having a child like I I understand. And let's, let's chat. We love you guys. And again, there's so much more that we could say. There's so much, I'm sure we didn't say perfectly. And so we're asking uh, for you to give us grace. And also we believe biblically, I mean, and we believe that every life is valuable and we believe it's worth it to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And we also have so much compassion on women and men whose lives change from having children. And we want to speak to all the heroes who have journeyed to motherhood and who have braced the the hard task of being a parent. Way to go. You are stinking heroes. There's something that my mom, friends, and I um, talk about that you're like, I just never knew. You know, you see moms in the grocery store, you see dads with kids, and you're just like, you just never knew how incredibly amazing it is that they are raising a child that they are spending every day putting their own selfish desires aside to care for someone it is truly phenomenal so way to stinking go and we love you guys uh shelly thank you so much for joining us again if we raised more questions just dm us we're happy to have this conversation with you and uh, we know we didn't get to touch everything but we love you guys and we're thankful that you joined us as part of this conversation Yeah. And if there's something specific legally that you have questions about, I'm happy to answer those questions. Or if there's a specific circumstance that you think is really hard to talk about, happy to have those conversations as well. And um, love you guys.